Hello everybody, I am Lucia Matuonto and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Today on the RV, we are traveling to Australia and talking with Jason Potter. Hi, Jason. Welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast. Hi, Alicia. It's very nice to be here. Yeah, it's my pleasure to have you. So, Jason, you live in, in Canberra, yeah? Yes, in Australia, the uh, the capital of Australia. Most people have heard of Sydney, not necessarily Canberra. It's kind of a smaller city, but it's but it's our capital anyway. I thought it was Sydney, actually. And um, I believe that COVID infections are controlled there. Are you guys going out without masks? Uh, yes, in most places in Australia, we've had masks at uh, different times when there's been Uh, small outbreaks um, compared to what's happening in Europe and, and uh, America and other countries. Um, Australia's been very uh, blessed in the sense that the outbreaks we've had here um, with COVID have been quite uh, small by comparison to uh, other countries. We had one major outbreak uh, in Melbourne and Victoria um, kind of in September, October last year. But otherwise, um, you know, being an island, I suppose, out in the middle of nowhere really helps um, keep uh, keep COVID off our, off our shores. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, yeah. I wish uh, here in Spain would be, we would have the same control. But yeah, slowly we'll get there. And Jason, you live in Canberra with your family, with your wife and four kids. And I, yeah, sorry. And I saw that you lived all over Australia from Sunshine Coast to Tasmania. So please tell us about this awesome experience. Yeah, I have. Um, I was born in, in South Australia in a little coastal a town called Port Lincoln, which is um, famous for two things, uh, an Olympian who won a gold medal for Australia in 1984 and uh, shark fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they uh, catch uh, a lot of um, game fish and, and shark fish off Port Lincoln. So my father, when I was young, uh, worked in uh, agriculture and was a an advisor to farmers um, working for the government. And so we moved around every few years in little country towns to start with. Um, And then uh, he um, changed jobs. um, And so we we moved to Melbourne for him to do some retraining and then up to Canberra when I was 14. And then I headed off on my own adventures, um, mostly Mm -hmm. work-related, different jobs that, you know, I felt were the right thing to do at the time. Um, but every now and then I got itchy feet too. I just kind of was in a place um, for uh, three or four years and, and felt like 
um, going to somewhere fresh and and new. And so Australia is a very large uh, country geographically um, with a population that lives mostly on the coach, uh, mostly on the coast. So, um, you know, I've, I've kind of traveled up and down the coast really uh, Tasmania, which is a very small um, kind of island compared to the rest of the mainland, and then um, Victoria and Queensland, and yeah, up on the Sunshine Coast, which is kind of a pretty nice place to live. See, I always uh, like want to go to Australia. Actually, one of my best friends went to a place called Port Douglas, and she kept it. She kept talking about this place for years and I said I have to go to this place she said that the beaches are amazing and it's good for surf as well yeah our, our beaches are uh, incredible I've um, you know I've been to America a couple of times and they they uh, speak very highly of their own beaches but um, mm -hmm. they're not a patch on what we have here in Australia you know we have very big beaches with um, uh, with great sand that are really you know, many of them are really great for swimming because uh, the slope on the beach is very gentle and so the tide goes in a long way um, and goes out a long way as well. So you've got lots and lots of room to play beach volleyball, go for a swim and, and um, yeah, places that are safe for younger kids to swim as well. So mm -hmm. uh, that, that beach culture is really big here. For me, it sounds like the paradise because I love staying on the beach. <laughs> yeah. And um, Jason, you you have a very interesting background. Uh, you worked as a educator. I think you still are chaplain, pastor, radio show host, and even run as political candidate for election. And what is the best part of having so many different professions? Um, I, I think for me, uh, part of it has been um, being willing to take opportunities as they arise. Um, I've never been someone who kind of likes to sit in one place doing the same thing for too long. Um, I need variety. Uh, it, it seems to me that that's how I function uh, best and it, it keeps me uh, focused and, and um, working hard to have a bit of variety in the roles uh, that I do. Um, but I think most of all, you know, the roles that I've had have been focused on, on really helping people, uh, trying to help people become the person they've been created to be, the, the person that, um, you know, best reflects the skills and abilities that they've been given. And so, you know, that that tends to be the focus of the jobs I have, no matter what the job is, whether it's, um, you know, on, on radio or uh, in a church or at a school or, uh, you know, running a, a college um, or even uh, for a long time I worked in um, Samaritan's Purse, which is an international aid organisation. For me, it's, it's always been around... Um, doing what I can to uh, help others, you know, be the person they've been created to be. And that's kind of been my focus in all those different roles. Mm -hmm. It's like your mission. Yeah. 
yeah, it's like having a yeah a, a, a mission or a um, um, an aim, really a purpose. I guess is is um, the word I'd use. It's it's kind of what I think uh, the reason for for being on the planet for me is. Jason, you have authored the book Zonthea. So what inspired you to write this book? Is it a fiction? Um, it's a fictionalized account of a true story. So, um, you know, Josiah is a, a young boy who grows up in um, uh, rural South Australia, out in, in uh, country towns, and um, he, he uh, encounters some pretty difficult challenges uh, through his young life um, and, uh, you know, in, in particular in, in the school environment, which um, uh, when, you know, as Josiah is growing up has been um, a pretty tough place, involved a lot of uh, bullying and, and mm-hmm. um, uh, violence um, in the schools that he was a part of. And so this is kind of impacts on Josiah very significantly and um, he, uh, uh, he looks as he grows up to try and uh, learn a bit about who he is and what his purpose in the world is and, and overcome some of those experiences. And so the book is really his story, um, but uh, it, it's based on, a, I guess, a number of people that I've encountered in, in life who have been through some difficult times. And um, uh, so in that sense, the experiences that are described in the book are, are very real. So the, it, it is based on a, a true story with lots of real experiences that people have shared with me. Um, and it's gathered together into a fictional story about a particular character and that person's friends and places that he's lived and, and been to. Um, so it's based on lots of true real-life experiences, mm-hmm. um, but gathered together in, into a fictionalised story. Well, it's like you had someone in your mind and you wrote the book, and but it is a fiction. Is something like that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and that's where I think, um, you know, genres of books are always a bit of a, a challenge um, in terms of how you describe the book that you've written. So for me, it's it's very much a work of fiction, but it's based on a person's real life experiences who would like their story to stay anonymous and and um, uh, you know feels more comfortable having their story described that way. And I think um, you know that's actually really important because it allows us to share in Josiah's story. Mm-hmm. Um, without that putting pressure on the individual that the story comes from. And I think that's, you know, that that's a good thing um, for those who get the opportunity to read the book, to be able to take in something that a person's really experienced, but in a fictionalized way. Mm-hmm. And Jason, if you had to describe the character Josiah in just three words... It's, it's pretty simple. I think Josiah is, um, he, he's quite resilient. Um, that would be the first word I think I'd use to describe Josiah. Um, he's uh, persistent. 
um, because he keeps uh, persisting despite the setbacks that he experiences through the course of his story. Mm -hmm. um, that resilience and persistence really, really comes through. Um, but in the end, he, he really does kind of start to get it together. So, you know, I think in that sense, um, uh, that persistence and that resilience really builds some deep character and strength within Josiah. And so... It reminds me of a quote from Nelson Mandela. He wrote, it always seemed impossible until it's done. What do you think about this quote? Yeah, I, I think that has a lot of truth to it. Um, and uh, certainly the big things that we try and achieve in life or the big societal changes. I mean, Nelson Mandela was at the centre of um, the, the change of how a whole nation uh, function in terms of not just um, the issue of race, but also the way the government functioned and, and who was in charge and how that system worked and the constitution and all of that. Um, and, and, you know, when he was sitting in that prison cell for 27 years, you could just imagine him uh, imagining that possibility and thinking just how impossible it would be for him to see any of that when he's sitting in prison. And I think that's true for a lot of us. We find when we're overwhelmed by our life circumstances, um, it can be very difficult for us to see future positive outcomes. Mm -hmm. um, and that's certainly part of Josiah's story too. But the reality is if we do um, learn to think and look forward in a hope-filled way, um, then we have the best opportunity to actually overcome the circumstances that we're facing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Nelson Mandela was a very good example of persistence. Mm. And you have you always wanted to be a writer? Yeah, I've. I've. It's something um, <clears throat> I've been uh, passionate about for a long time. Um, but it's also one of those things that when you have a family and work and, and uh, you, you kind of invest a lot of time and energy in that, um, writing a book can be something that you, you know, you kind of uh, keeps dropping down to the bottom of the list of things you want to do. Um, and I've written a lot of materials in, in my profession. So particularly in education, in, um, you know, writing textbooks and non-fiction type um, materials but this story has kind of been in my mind for a long period of time and so one of the opportunities that, that kind of came about through um, uh, a change in my uh, work circumstances but also um, with the COVID lockdown that we had in Australia last year um, it created space I guess in my world to um, finish off something that I've been working on for quite a long time. So, um, yeah, I think I, I just got to a point in life where I was able to to fulfil that and, and kind of um, get get the story into a place where it was able to be published. Mm -hmm. 
Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Like, how did you manage to start writing a book? I think you started writing during the lockdown. Yeah, I, I, I really had the book in my head for a long period of time. Um, and so when it, when it came to actually writing it, it, it really flowed very quickly because, you know, I'd, I'd kind of sat with the story for a long period and, and planned it out in my, in my head. So, um, yeah, when it came to actually sitting down and, uh, and writing it, it it's really come, um, you know, in, in many respects, much more easily than I thought it would. Um, yeah, because I've had that kind of space to do that but also the story's been sitting with me for probably you know five to ten years so um you know in that time you do a lot of the work that you normally do when you start a a, a book from scratch mm -hmm. um you know a lot of that thinking and working through of the story was already done before i ever sat down and wrote a word mm -hmm. and uh, jason what do readers learn from your book, Josiah? Um, well, I think hopefully what readers learn or what readers gain from the book is um, uh, something that, that's inspiring and encouraging um, for anyone who's been through some of the circumstances that Josiah encounters. Um, I, I know that uh, uh, there are lots of young people and adults who have experienced challenging and difficult childhoods. Um, and those things sit with people for decades, you know, well into their 30s and 40s and 50s without ever being necessarily resolved or worked through. And I guess I'm hoping that maybe in some way, Josiah's story would be an encouragement to people who have been through those kind of challenges. Or, you know, for someone who's had a great childhood and managed to grow up in a wonderful loving, caring family and, and had some great experiences in school with friendships and all the rest of it, maybe it'll help them understand a little bit how someone who grows up through those things um, experiences life and get a sense of what it's like to be in that person's shoes a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the basis of what I would hope from the story. And obviously, I hope that people enjoy it. I'm pretty sure they will. And what comes first for you, the plot or characters? Yeah, look, I, I, I really start with, um, with the character, uh, the main character in the, in the story, because I think everything uh, then um, comes out of how that character reacts to the situations that are uh, described in the book. And so who that person is and the way they see the world and um, the way they react to things actually shapes the story um, and, and in many respects creates the story um, because when you've created the character and then you put that character in a situation, the way they react to that situation is already shaped 
by the way the character has been developed. And so for me, the character comes first and then the plot or the situation that that character is going to go into um, is secondary because you need to know and understand who the character is and how they're going to react to the plot um, before you can really put that story together. At least that's how it works for me. Yeah, I feel the same. I always come with the characters first and I also paint them and then I create the characters and then the plot. Sometimes, I don't know if it happens to you, but sometimes I don't even know what's going on, what's going to happen in the end mm. of the book. I don't know, is it is the same for you? Yeah, look, I, I did... Um, uh... I guess adjust the storyline as I went along in some respects because you're right um, at, at times the way the characters have developed then leads you into a different place with where the story goes and I think um, certainly uh, in the writing of the book mm -hmm. um, the the storyline did kind of evolve a little bit as as we went along and um, there are there are a couple of new characters introduced into the story, um, basically as a result of how the book was progressing, um, and and what the the shape of the book was looking like. So, yeah, I think it's very much a process. You know, writing a book mm -hmm. isn't an event that you do over a few weeks. For me, um, you know, this is the first fictional book that I've written. Um, and, uh, you know, I think for me, the story's developed and evolved over quite a long period of time. Um, and, you know, I, I think that adds to the depth of the story, or at least I hope it does. And did you have writer's block? Um, I, I had, I didn't have so much writer's block, mm -hmm. but I had editing block, um, if, if that's a phrase, I think. <laughs> When I, when I got to the editing stage, that was actually the hardest part for me was was going back over the story and, and um, you know, trying to work out which parts of it needed a bit of adjustment, which parts of it might need to be rewritten or reworded a little bit to um, make the story flow better as a book. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that, that process I found you know, kind of the finishing process, um, I actually think is the is the hardest part for me. Um, putting the story together and getting it down on paper initially, that flowed fairly easily for me, I think. But the, the difficult part was actually doing the finishing work to make sure that, um, you know, it's it's an enjoyable and easy, easy read for people, um, no matter which country or... or um, you know, life circumstances they, they come from. Uh, what does success mean to you? Um, success is, uh, I, I think for me, is about um, seeing the, the purpose that I have and, and the goals that I've set being realised. I don't measure success in terms of financial outcomes. I've never picked a job in my life for, for a wage or for a decent income. That's not how I'm wired. I tend to do jobs based on whether or not I feel passionate about what the job's trying to achieve or not. Um, so so I, 
I've never really seen success as being measured in terms of, um, you know, financial success or, um, you know, owning property or any of those kind of things. For me, it's, am I making a difference in the lives of other people? Um, and if, and if I am, however I'm doing that and in whatever place that I'm doing that, then that that's success for me. Um, yeah, that's probably the easiest way to explain it, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was beautifully said. Jason, where can our listeners find you and your book? So we have a, a website, jasonpotter.com.au. Um which uh, talks about a little bit about me and, and about the book, and you can order the book from the website. It's also available through Amazon um, as an ebook, so you can order it uh, if you've got a Kindle, um, and you can also order a, a paperback version, which um, will be released on Amazon as well. It will come out in some bookstores here in Australia uh, and in uh, the US, and. Uh, Hopefully in other places too. We'll see see how it goes. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, look, I'm you know a lot of books these days. Uh, I order myself on online, and um, that uh, you know that seems to be a really effective way to to um, to order books these days. So um, they're they're probably some of the best places to find it. You are planning to write another book. Yeah, look, um, I have a few stories in mind. I'd love to write a couple more uh, novels. And, um, you know, I've really enjoyed our, our chat today and, and would be more than happy to come back and chat another time. That'd be great. You are very, very welcome to The Relatable Voice. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And, and uh, I hope that uh, you and your listeners have a fantastic day. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.